Good evening. Let's play the theme music. Good evening, Noam. Hi, everybody. Can you hear? Can you hear yourself? Okay. I think so. Okay, good. Because we did this without a, without any kind of test run. Maybe I can hear myself <laughs> in my head. I guess that's all that counts. Yeah, I think it is. I think if you <laughs> if you can hear yourself and I can hear you, I think they're they're supposed to be able to hear you as well. Uh, no, because there's all kinds of buttons on my setup that if you click, then everything seems to stay the same except one thing that changes. And then you're like, I can't, why can't I hear? And you're like fiddling with the knobs and you're like, oh, it's that one button that I always forget unless this one specific problem happens. Anyway, it's uh, Wednesday night. We're all crossed out. Uh, And uh, we're here to talk about not politics. We're not going to talk about George Santos. (laughs) We could talk about that Sunday. I mean, it's like, I mean, George Santos, you could do an entire, you could do an entire like produced podcast, you know, like one of those, uh, you know, you're in the car listening to the radio and they, they, um, they have these commercials for like, uh, I heart, uh, network, like produced podcast that you've never heard about. We'll never hear again. And they're, they're like, it's my 26 part podcast about G- the life of Jimi Hendrix, just uh, available only on the iHeart app. And you're like, what, what is this? I've never heard of this and I'm never gonna listen to it ever. Um, and you could do one of those about George Santos where every episode is another one of the incredible weird lies that come out that he's told, like that his mother was in the towers during nine eleven, and now this uh, as of yet unconfirmed story that he was a a brazilian a drag queen in brazil which i mean fine but yeah we're not going to talk about it anyway right so i've got a whole like serious rant about lying while running for office and what people lie about and what is kind of considered acceptable and not acceptable and how santos is kind of Pushed way beyond the boundaries of what is acceptable. Yeah, but anyway. we need to, yeah. Well, well, we need to let again. We need to let this uh, cook for a few days because, like, there's other things we were gonna because we are gonna talk uh, a little bit about Wizards of the Coasts, Wizards of the Coast, and the big, big hoopla surrounding Dungeons and Dragons. Because we, I said on uh, Sunday, let's let it cook for a little, and today there was an update about it. Uh, which funny enough happened. <laughs> they dropped an update when the reporter who's been breaking all of the stories about this was on a flight. And she tweeted before she flew, she said something <laughs> like, nobody do anything for the next six to eight hours because I'm going to be on a plane. And they literally <laughs> dropped it halfway into her flight. And a bunch of people were like, there's no way that this wasn't like that they didn't maybe they like changed their mind at the last second. They were like, Oh shit. She's it's like the the equivalent of one of those like Friday afternoon news dumps. Right. Like she's on a plane quick. 
Yeah. News dump. <laughs> so there's been a little update on that. And, uh, and yeah, like letting that stew for a little bit produced some more developments, except it's, you know, far, it's far from, from over. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think we can start by uh, talking media, talking about the, 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 you know, the, the subject of this episode, Pedro Pascal, father of the year. Right. Just this, this nice, positive message of fatherhood. It is very funny. He's going to be cast in the in the lone wolf and cub adaptation. What other <laughs> what other uh, what other projects? What other uh, uh, adaptations? Famous adaptations? Uh, I mean, can, are, there, are there any more franchises where children are like treated as cargo to be transported about? Yeah, I'm trying to think. Pedro of like, Pascal is uh, your guy. I'm trying to think of some kind of uh, another example. He can be the new. They can remake. Uh, they can remake uh, the professional Leon, the professional, <laughs> and maybe make it and maybe make it less sexual because because it is kind of there is a weird uh, sexual yes. tension in that movie between uh, Natalie Portman who is like thirteen or something like that and yeah. uh, Jean Reno who plays uh, Leon. Uh, Leon, the professional, uh, and, uh, yeah, that would make a good uh, remake again. If you, just, if you make it slightly or very much less creepy, right. Just very wholesome and positive and maybe not in a zombie apocalypse or in outer space. Yeah. Ooh, how about this man on fire remake? Very underrated Tony Scott movie with Denzel. Yeah. His name is not pronounced Denzel, by the way. It is Denzel Washington. Nope. Sorry. That. Trains where he left the Because you want to be Denzel. like Denzel. Uh, right? That's where does that come from, by the way? Where's that kind of sassy way of saying it? It's from a movie, I believe, but I I cannot for the life of me like place it. But yeah, the name is actually Denzel Washington. Never mind. It's with him and he it's the same kind of premise. I mean, he plays the the bodyguard of like a a daughter, a half Mexican, half uh, American girl in Mexico City, mm-hmm. uh, and she gets kid. Her father's some kind of criminal. Blah blah blah. It's really good. It's violent as a, it's really really violent. Super violent. Yeah, and it's great, Mr. Creasy, and and it, and that one isn't. <laughs> that one doesn't have creepy sexual undertones. No, it does not. It's not like Lolita, but with guns. <laughs> which which Lefemme, uh, which uh, not Lafemmiqueta, which uh, Leon is a little like French. French movies, it's very French, right? It's good. It's a good action movie, but there is also creepy French things about it. Right. My apologies to any any Franks in the in the in the room. But what we actually want to talk about is obviously this past Sunday, the first episode of The Last of Us aired on HBO, which is the big TV adaptation of the game of the same title, which is also. The game itself is very TV cinematic-y in the gameplay and how you how you go through the game and all that good stuff. Yes, uh, there there have been since then. I mean, there also probably before, if if you can, depending on like what you how you want to parse genres. But uh, we've gotten like even more cinematic, like uh, movie type experiences out of games like the what are they called the dark. The Dark Shadows anthology, those games, I, I don't like them till until dawn and stuff, where it's kind of like a choose your own adventure horror uh, scenario, 
it's a bunch of kids at a cabin and it switches between you playing them and a, and it is a lot less challenging. There is a lot less like actual kind of gameplay than the last of us. It is, uh, it is more like, do you climb down this ladder or do you go up this rope? And you know, one of them leads to like the death of a character and then you play out the entire scenario. And depending on like which of the teenagers survives or dies, you get to one of the many, uh, endings yeah the quarry there's man of medan which is like famously terrible um and they have like famous actors they're all like really well kind of mo mo capped and stuff mm-hmm. uh but this one is like uh critically acclaimed like the the writing the the story in it um and uh yeah the first episode i just told jen before the show that I uh, watched a lot of reaction videos. I have a love-hate re- relationship with reaction videos where if I if I watch something and it gets a giant reaction out of me, mm-hmm. then I want to go watch them. Right. But if not, then watching people freak out over something that like I was very not freaked out, you know, over is just like okay, whatever, who cares. But uh there's a lot of crying if you want to go watch <laughs> the reaction videos of this. There's a lot of t- a lot of tears. Yeah, do we do do we do spoilers? Do we discuss this? Because I mean, I mean, it's. I don't think so. I we I, and we don't need to. We don't need to. There's still. It, let's let's just put it okay. at the fact that it's a very it's a it's a very kind of shocking first episode, right? It's a it's a very unrelenting first episode, and they it's the show is clearly going to lean into the kind of bleak aspects of this. Right. And so if you've played the game, you know exactly which scene we're talking about because it's it, it's even more impactful in the game, I think, because the way they do it, like, okay, it's you're, you're playing a video game. You start it up. You're starting – you're playing as a specific character. You're going on. Oh, no, no. I'm going to stop you right there. Don't don't say anymore. So you're well, – so you're – I think you're, the point but, you're making – because I'm, I'm totally – I'm totally uh, – I'm totally going to – like, I, I we, need, we need to not – we need to really be careful – well, no, I was just going to say, like, uh, you say you're playing and then uh, you start playing as somebody else. So there's really no explanation. And then, like, the scene happens. And in the video game, like, after that scene happens, that's when you get the title card. It's so brutal. And it happens, like, depending on how long it takes you to get to that point in the game. 20, I think it's tw- I think it's about 20 minutes. Right. Like, like about 20 that. minutes of gameplay. Um, there's games where it happens like <laughs> three hours into the game or something. Right, like the title like card this... drop. It's very funny, but uh, but uh, I think uh, so. Youth, there are elements to both um experiences. The one thing I think that the show can do that is better than the the game is the ability to like have more acting, have more emotion. I didn't play. The Last of Us Part One, which is the remake of the remaster, because yeah. there's three versions of The Last of Us. There's the first original version that came out in 2016. No, no, no. 2016 is the remat. Like, so the original came out in like 2012 or 2013, something like that. And then it was remastered. 2013 original. Thank you, uh, uh, Joe. Um, and then, yeah, a few years later, they remastered it, and that's the version I have. And it's just revamped graphics. Now they redid the game from scratch. It's the same game. It's the same voice acting and stuff, but they redid all the graphics for, like, PS5. Um, that I didn't play, so it might be better, but uh, Pedro Pascal um, 
he does some he does some fucking acting in this and you're not going to get that from a video game yet you there the fidelity is high but you're not you're not getting that performance in a game i, I don't think so like that that's I, he was yeah he he did i i said but like i said he did some fucking acting like the last of us the game comes close during the gameplay because i and that's one of the criticisms of the game is that there is a lot of like cut scenes there's a lot of exposition there's a lot of like you're watching the characters like do things and have dialogue and then all of a sudden like you get to play the game again so it is more of like that sort of cinematic like watching a tv show interspersed with gaming sort of thing so this translates over to TV better than a lot of other video games would. Yeah. And some people love that experience and I get it. Some people, cause I, I, I think I did a thread about this recently about how I've, I've come to realize that the games I like the least are the games that take control away from me the most. And that also includes, you know, there's that infamous scene in the beginning of, uh, I believe it's metal gear solid five, where you gotta crawl, you're like injured, and it's right at the beginning, and you gotta crawl through a hospital on the floor, and it takes forever because you gotta crawl on the floor. That would have really fucking irritated me <laughs> because I'm just like, can we not do this? Can you just let me move? Like, I get it. I get the just make this a cutscene then, or just make it kind of short because I guess it's not a short part. I didn't play MGS5, I just saw that, and I was like, that, I got annoyed, but. It does give you that experience. If you want to really feel like you're in a movie, you know, like uh, Uncharted does this in a different way. It, it's, it captures like the exhilaration of an action movie, but you're doing like the shooting and the jumping between the things that are falling out of the plane. That's great, right? It's a really fun experience. Um, and it, 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 and it has fewer moments like that where it restricts you in, in irritating ways. Um, uh, but yeah, so so it 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 can enhance emotional impact when it's like when you feel like you're part of the action for sure. Whereas this is a passive experience. But yeah, there's a, there's definitely like a human element to certain moments that is is definitely more impactful because of the yeah. You're seeing like real people. It's not like video game renderings it's like actual people doing actual acting yeah yeah i think it i think this does highlight in a really uh, cool way where we still aren't there right as uh, super seven says image wise like again fidelity there's a difference between graphical fidelity and the ability to like capture uh, minute subtleties of performance, things like micro expressions, you know, you can study about the face. There's like, the face has like tons and tons and tons of little, little muscles and they all like work on each other in really complicated ways. And, uh, and, and you can, you can model that. Right. And they kind of do, but it's not, it still has its limitations. Right. Pedro Pascal method acting his ass off <laughs> is like you know it's still the man that most people know for playing a character that wears a literal suit of armor for the entirety of his performance yeah and by the way there was a story where they said like we're gonna because in the la in the game the last of us there's uh, spores in the air that's how you get 
the cordyceps. And so you got to wear a gas mask for large parts of it. And they said they were eh, there. They said, like, oh, we're going to cut that out of them. I said, like, Pedro Pascal said to them, fuck you. I'm not wearing <laughs> another mask. I'm not wearing another mask. I show my face or I walk. <laughs> and it's no fine. Yeah. And you know what? It's fine. Like, that's a change. I don't mind because it's also it's also. Pre yes, you want you want the actors. I get it. They want the actors to be able to perform. Well, the thing that I think is weird, and uh, this is also kind of foreshadowing something that they did in the show that's completely not in the video game at all, but you kind of need it for people to understand the show. I kind of am not happy about that decision because this is like the one time where you can do a show like this, where you could do a show about zombies and contagion and stuff like that, and you can like have a visual representation of when somebody is in like a hot spot. And that's how it works in the game. It's like, obviously you go into an area, you see spores, you know, you got to put the mask on and that's, that's part of the gameplay. And I think that it's kind of like missing out on something that you can't like, it's like I said, it's the one time you can actually have like a visual representation of something that actually makes sense. That's a good point. I didn't, I, I didn't consider that. Uh, there's another thing that I said, I already laughed. And apparently when I tweeted about this, I, I heard that a bunch of YouTubers pointed this out too. Uh, there's a recurring thing in the game, uh, uh, where you get split up for whatever reason. This happens yeah, in the first episode yes. where many, there's, many times there's this game. weird contrivance where like, there's a car crash kind of blocks the entrance to an alley. And so they're like on either like, side of the crash and they're like, okay, I'll meet we'll be, you. Yeah, I'll meet you down by the river. And then, and this happens all the goddamn time in the game oh right? all the time you're like you'll see in the second in the next it's definitely gonna happen in episode two it has to when they're walking through the crooked uh skyscraper and then like a big heavy filing cabinet rolls in front of a thing and then you got to walk around oh. and i was like it's funny because in the game it's like you don't think about it because you're like okay it's, it's like okay it's part of the game like yeah it's, it's a contrivance gameplay. to yeah. get you away from the npc from the like your teammates so that you got to be alone and uh, but it does look kind of silly in person. Well, it's gonna it, it'll be silly if it happens five times. You know they're gonna have to not do that. Um, but uh, um, I, I think that yeah, go ahead. But as far as like what I was saying about foreshadowing and where they where they actually started, like the episode is they do like this little prologue thing and it's uh like a faux panel from sometime in the 1970s oh, where 68 the, i think okay so they're talking about like you know pandemics and what about the next pandemic and all this good stuff and so there's there's two scientists talking and one's like ah you know it's 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 you know we got to prepare for it. it's a big deal and then there's one other scientist like i'm not worried about viruses i'm not worried about bacteria i'm worried about fungus and he goes into this long explanation about something that does happen in the animal kingdom which is that there are certain funguses that will, if an animal becomes infected, it literally like takes over their brain and mm -hmm. turns them into little animal zombies. Yes. And so it's like the heaviest foreshadowing ever, basically, because you don't really find out till later on in the game exactly what it is that causes people to turn into zombies. And uh, it's this is not a spoiler. I mean, it's in the promos yeah you know it's it's a it's a it's a show and yeah, game fun, about right. zombies and so i mean it's like the heaviest foreshadowing that like okay this isn't like 
like genetically modified food or some kind of virus or something like COVID. It's a fungus. Yes. And by the way, the one thing I didn't love about it, and I wonder, I don't know if this is true. This might be true. I don't know. But when he says, you know, but what if the planet gets warmer, right? And so, right. Like now, the thing I don't like about that, people be like, oh, everything's going to be about climate change. That's not my problem. My problem is that the cliche that I don't like about this isn't climate change. It's that everything is always our fault, right? It can never be some kind of zombie apocalypse can never just happen. It's always got to be us who did a thing. This is actually kind of a common theme in, in, in human mythology in general. I think it kind of goes even back to the Bible where like, we are the, always the architects of our own like calamities, Mm -hmm. like the biblical flood goes literally back to the flood or even further back to like, the banishment from Eden, right? It's always like every disaster that happens to you is actually kind of of your own making. And I guess that's sort of a moralist lesson in the Bible, but I'm kind of tired of it always being our fault that a thing (laughs) happens. Could we just, could it just be, could it, it's always like a bio weapon or I don't know what, or, you know, it's always that it's always like an animal that escapes from a test, a medical testing lab, I mean, yeah, and we kind of just went through that in real life, which is another reason why I was kind of interested to see how this show would be received versus the video game. That's interesting. Yeah, another interesting point. Yeah, because when the when the video game first came out and the subsequent re-releases, that's when everything was about (laughs) zombies. Every show was about zombies. Movies were about zombies. Games were about zombies. Everybody was about zombies. And then people kind of got tired of zombies. And then COVID happened. And so I was kind of like, okay, post-COVID, how is a show about a global pandemic that kills millions of people going to be received in, like, this environment? That was that was a big question for me going forward. I saw some covid people say that – actually kind of mention the thing that you're saying now and saying – this might be the first one where they're like, all right, we can, we can do it. We can do a pandemic. That's why well, I was like, I'm like, is this going to be like a too soon sort of thing or is it going to be okay? Yeah, I think, I think it's fine. Uh, but uh, yeah, as I said, that, that was my, that was my only gripe with it where I was just like, could it, could it be, could it just be like a thing that happened and it wasn't our, it wasn't our fault for once. Well, it's kind of like a combination of where like, okay, they, they, the funguses, it finally got warm enough for them to survive. And then they started infecting human brains. And then it turns them into very interesting zombies, not your normal, typical zombies. We have many, we will have many different kinds of zombies in this show. Yeah. Oh, and many by the varieties. way, yeah. And by the way, here's another change they did. That's interesting in, in, in a couple of different ways. So, uh, again, we're not going to spoil it too much, but two characters need to go to a place to meet a person. And they get there and like everybody's dead, right? There's like mm-hmm. a shootout. They missed it. But that's the thing. Like in the game, you do that action sequence. Yeah, yeah. You don't miss it. <laughs> and so they do two things at once here though. One, they like get around having to do like a video gamey thing. And mm-hmm. two, it's in the game. It's, it's, it's like it's you who kills all those people. Right. And at some point. You know, in these games, like you kill millions of people, you know, and there and then millions, yeah. but like lots. Well, there's a there's a, an interesting. I heard this. I don't know how many people agree on this, but a, a thing that I like that I heard a couple of different like people from the gaming world talk about is anything that happens between cutscenes is not canon. 
right? Hmm. Because what will happen well, sometimes yeah. is you kill a million henchmen in, in a game like Uncharted, and then you get to the cutscene, and all of a sudden Nathan Drake is like super hesitant to shoot somebody. Right, because that's not in his morals. Right, and I guess I know uh, Neil is unconvinced by this argument, but I'm just saying, like, it helps you. It it, it helps well, reconcile. Right, and it can't be canon because it's whatever you're doing. Like, so it's not part of the lore. It's your gameplay. Yeah, it's just an easy way to reconcile long scenes of action where you know you're just like shooting at people yeah, like, and stuff. Right, you know? it's just a contrivance to kind of reconcile that with the with the cutscenes. Now, again, there's games that like deliberately subvert that and and introduce systems of consequence to what you do. Reputational systems. I believe like Witcher 3 even has a thing like that. There's uh there's plenty of uh there's plenty of like um I think uh, Spec Ops the line will have like different cutscenes based on like the things that you do or don't do. Uh but not every game is going to go down. Oh yeah, right. Red Dead Redemption has an on the honor system. Uh uh not every game is going to introduce some kind of mechanical like that and they'll just like explain it away by saying, "Okay, you know how like you know how uh um like there will be a uh, one of those uh um a boss fights that you're that you have to lose, that you in the game you have to lose. So in order to trigger some kind of cutscene and like It'll it'll trigger even if you like whittle the boss down to like a sliver of health because you're not supposed to beat it like a exactly. thing is supposed to happen because you're supposed to see the cutscene. Yeah, the loading screens later in the game start to address you personally. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, right. Like, and I don't know. Like in even in all of the Souls games. There are NP decisions about if you kill or don't kill NPCs that then later come back to haunt you. If you don't kill, what's his name? He then kills the firekeeper in Firelink Shrine, and then you can't kindle the bonfire there. It's a whole fucking disaster, right? It's like a cascading consequence thing. Um, so the moral is you just have to kill everybody. Yeah, but uh, but but this was kind of a clever way to both not make the main characters ma- literal mass murderers right now would be like kind of because that was another question i had going in is like okay where are they going to end the first episode exactly and i was kind of wondering i'm like okay are they going to like really go for the gut punch and end it at that scene or are we going to go past it and uh, it goes past yeah it, apparent, but, apparently they were gonna initially like originally i then, i thought they were i thought they were just going to go for the gut punch when i saw how long the episode was i knew it wasn't going to be even but like in the beginning beginning when like about 10 minutes in i was like oh no no we're gonna see we're gonna go we're gonna go way way beyond anyway never mind we're not gonna t- well, uh, but, the Mandalorian. <laughs> well, I had something else to say. There, oh, okay. But, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I mean, that was another thing we were discussing is like the difference between like a video game and a show is that going into the show, like you kind of need more exposition and more like explanation of things that are going on versus like in a video game, you're much more used to just being like airdropped into a situation, which is exactly how The Last of Us begins in gameplay. You're just dropped into a situation and then you learn things from there and so that's why i was kind of like i could see a situation where there was enough like kind of exposition and backstory and build up to where they would end the first episode on that scene and then just like cut to black and go to credits and just leave everybody like 
Yeah, and that could that could have happened. That could happen. Oh, you know what? Before we go Mandalorian, let's uh, let's take uh, let's take a caller. Let's okay. take Joe. Uh, and I'm gonna click. So just because I know Joe's like now knows that he's gonna be on, so he's gonna get ready. Okay. Uh, hey Joe. Hey guys. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for taking my call. Um. Yeah. Just uh, real quick. Um. Just before you guys uh, move over into Mandalorian, I did just wanna problem. Just... Wait a second, because we can't hear you. Oh boy. Oh. Okay. This is uh. This is uh. This is an issue that I don't know how to solve. Uh oh. What did you do? No, because, okay, because in order for us to not feed back on ourselves, I got to mute the browser. Hold on. I'll show you what I mean. I'm going to unmute. I'm going to unmute the browser window. Let's see. Hey, one, two. Okay, Joe, can you speak? Yes. Can can you hear me? Oh, yeah, I can. That's interesting. And it's not. No. And it is not echoing. That's not feeding back. It's not feeding back. Oh, that's good. Because it's not playing through that speaker. No, no, I know. No, no, it was supposed to. Never mind. Okay, anyway. anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Hey, how's it going? Hey. <laughs> thanks, uh, th- thanks for taking my call, guys. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. real quick, before you guys move over onto uh, Mandalorian, I did just want to offer some of my initial overarching thoughts on uh, the premiere, spoiler-free, um, as uh, you guys established the ground rules here. Um, I thought it was great. I thought that the... The first, the first part of the episode was incredible, and they absolutely nailed that adaptation part of the game. I was like, my jaw was on the floor as to how well done it was. Um, and I got to admit, going into this show, I had a lot of trepidation and fear about it because it is it's basically one of my three all-time favorite games. Um, so... When when I heard that it was going to be adapted, I was like, oh, boy. But then when I saw it was going to be HBO and that Craig Mazin, who uh, did Chernobyl, was going to be at the helm of it mm-hmm. with Neil Druckmann, it's like, well, okay, there's a lot of legitimacy there. Right. Um, and I think so far that what the show has shown in the first episode and what a lot of the critical reviews are saying, because if you go on Rotten Tomatoes, it has like a 99% critical score. It's amazing. Um the overall theme about it, especially from people who played the game, has been, see, this is what happens when you have people that are really good at what they do remain faithful to adapting the source material. A lesson that a show like The Witcher could have maybe taken a lesson or two from. Or Halo as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, hey, even a, even a small not in that direction, was having uh, Gustavo Santolala, the guy who did the music in the game, is doing the music on the show, too. Right, the, guitar, that... the, little, the, the, mm-hmm. the little guitar riff, that kind of classic guitar riff. Oh, my only right, problem. They kept, like, the intro yeah. music and everything. My only, that reminds me of my, the, my only big, major, big complaint. Goddamn Elastic and their fucking hack credit sequences that are all the goddamn same. Listen, I don't hate it on this show because I like how they kind of tied in like the fungal theme of the show. And I like how it kind of like fades to Joel and Ellie and like, like that's nice. But yeah, it is very, very reminiscent of Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon. It's opening just, it, I'll tell you like the, ir- the irritating part about it is that it, it, that's how it feels. The, all of their work feels like one of those like uh, co- collegiate 
like college level graphic design assignments where all you got to work with is like a single word concept, right? It's like, okay, so you got to design a, uh, a logo. It's for a, a post-apocalypse show and uh, fungus yeah, and go. Like, That's I, it. It's like, like <laughs> it's like a challenge on like Project Runway. Okay, your challenge for this week is you got to design an evening gown, right, for the premiere of a zombie show and your theme is fungus. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I mean, that's kind of what I feel. And then you watch something like Peacemaker or Severance, uh, both of which had like just tremendously right. interesting and creative credit sequences. And then Rings of Power, that's the funniest part. Rings of Power looks like it's an elastic intro, but it isn't. It's They actually did a whole, and then someone said, oh, you know, I think they did it. They filmed it for real with one of those. Cause you know, if you put sand on like a speaker, it'll do all kinds of Yeah, you can do vibrations patterns. and stuff. And so he asked the, the people, Oh, did you really film that for real? And we're like, no, it was just CG. <laughs> I thought it was an elastic intro. That's why I looked it up. I'm like, oh wait, it's not. No, it is not. It what? is not. It is not. And and uh, yeah, anyway, that was just like that was literally my only issue with it. And like Jen said, it's actually it's actually all right. It, like it fits. Yeah, it's not, it's definitely not their their worst one. It's yeah, not no. House of the Dragon. <laughs> oh my god, uh, that's that, so <laughs> terrible. That is literally my only issue with House of the Dragon. It yeah. is, is just they kept just the, the intro. It is yeah. they they kept exact the exact same theme. It wasn't even a remix of the theme or or anything else that Ramin Jawadi could have pulled out of his arsenal of memorable <laughs> themes from Game yes. of Thrones. It's like, I said what it should have been is I described it as uh, if anybody you oh, you and anybody else knows about uh, Metallica's like Unforgiven and Unforgiven Two and two Unforgiven and Three, three yeah. right? Yeah. They always start with the same kind of like horn uh, intro, where so you don't know which is it. And I thought they could have the theme for House of the Dragon could have started with that kind of Game of Thrones, you know, like dun, 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 but then kind of take a left turn into a different theme. So like you kind of connect them with that thing, that kind of motif, you know, like John Williams is like an expert at doing that uh, where you, he just like takes that. We'll take like one theme and like insert it into a different thing. Uh, yeah. So anyway, we <laughs> both, cre we, we have issues with both credit sequences, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, it was, um, it was a fantastic first episode. Um, I'm really excited, uh, you know, to see what, what they do, um, what they do with it remaining. I mean, every, every review that, that I've seen has just been just, you know, head over heels from the people, which by the way, um, I'll just leave you with a final thought on this, but, um, the critical reviews for it, they got to screen the entire season, which mm. I don't know that I've, seen that recently where typically when a critic is reviewing an episode they only get like the first three episodes and then they right. watch the rest of them as they air but it seems that hbo is just like no here's the entire season go ahead and review the whole thing i can't remember the last time i saw something like that but i just thought that was interesting where they have yeah. the they know the whole story yeah. and, and yeah. all that happens there so it's like well that 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 was uh that was interesting to me. It might be because the uh, potential for some kind of like major spoiler just doesn't exist because it is just an adaptation of a game that right. is extremely extremely famous. And so, like Dune, you know, it's not like 
I, I, nobody's going to be afraid that any kind of spoilers about do the second Dune movie are going to come out. We know, we know what happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. And that's uh, why I was asking you about doing spoilers because I mean, the scene in question is very famous. Like, yeah, it's, yeah it, it's pretty iconic for just being just one of the most brutal openings of a game ever. Yeah. Oh, uh, and oh, we'll just wait, just wait until we get to the last of us part two, which has some, oh Oh my God, that's, <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna rival Red Wedding reactions, and I'll just yeah yeah that. oh no no yeah there's gonna ooh. let's not talk let's I, yeah. I, I, I just I just I want reaction videos yeah. to come back yeah. I miss reaction let's videos. definitely yeah let's definitely not mention that but yeah it's, it's a it's a moment that like was so controversial it like tore the fan base apart mm-hmm. like that's that's how that's how crazy it was okay thank you Thanks, Joe guys. and yeah we're gonna we're gonna move on to Mandalorian thanks a lot um oh and uh yeah uh above average joe says they uh, about game of uh the game of the dragons house of the thrones they even had <laughs> a different tea. version of the main theme at the end of hot the episode one they played it during the episode as well i believe that was the first piece of music they played uh when they wa- yeah, walk like through the castle music, yeah and that it did the thing that i'm saying it, yeah it had that like dun, 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 yeah, dun, it kept dun, the underlying like like rhythm and theme but then they kind of went in like a different direction and yeah it's... i guarantee if you gave uh ramin jawadi some like sodium pentothal he would tell you that the studio insisted on keeping the game of thrones theme right and then they just like snuck in that other theme just like we're putting it in and i'm so it was so weirded out by people who think that's a good idea and we're like well star wars always uses the same theme and I'm like no it's, it's, not, it's the same. not the same nope it's... it is absolutely not the same uh okay anyway uh, so yeah, Mando season. So, three. Speaking of Star Wars, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and things that are not the same. So Mando season three. Here's an interesting. Here's an interesting. March first pre- for my birthday. Yeah, here's ooh, Yay. Here's an interesting question. Uh, you know how like uh, uh, when George R. Martin will eventually probably never, but let's no. say theoretically, <laughs> I, I know I don't yeah. know, sir. Let's say theoretically, he releases the Winds of Winter at some point, right? For many people, me included, it it too much time would have gone by. I mean, too much things happened. Too much other good books came and went. Brandon Sanderson wrote entire amazing series in that time, and all kinds of crap like that, right? Plus, and for what it's worth, they wrote an ending to Game of Thrones. Yeah, you, I mean, can, you can hate the ending, but there's an ending. That's another <laughs> because, and, and and what you're saying is very valid because the point that I'm making is. You are now a totally different person than you were when, from when you finished the previous book and were like, okay, now I got to wait for this next book, right? And, right? and not only are you a different person, but like the world changed, right? And it, uh, the Mandalorian season three, since, since Mando season two came out, which was over two years ago, a whole lot of shit has happened in the world. Two, you know, and and the has main it been two years. Yeah, and the main thing that I'm referring to is Andor, right? Right. So, uh, here's the problem. Oh, and also, well, <laughs> I guess now would be a good time to refresh everybody's memory heading into season three of Mandalorian. Um, if you didn't watch the second half of Book of Boba Fett. You need to do that before watching season three of Mandalorian. Something they're gonna do something because <laughs> yeah. otherwise you're gonna have no clue what the hell is going on here. Yeah. They're gonna do something. They're gonna have to. There's there because there was a great meme where someone was someone wrote like uh, 
all of the people watching or Mando didn't. season three without having seen Book of Boa Fett. And it's the picture of, uh, there's, yeah, it's a picture of a Poe from, uh, Rise of Skywalker. And it says, somehow Grogu has returned. <laughs> <laughs> or, I mean, they can just be like, fucking and go full Marvel and be like, you know what? You need to watch these other things before you watch this thing. Yeah, whatever. Previously on the Mandalorian. Right. Like, like they can just be like, you know what? If you want to understand Multiverse of Madness, you need to go watch WandaVision. If I was Disney, here's what I would do. I would make a five to seven minute like recap of what happened uh, in between seasons to Mando and Grogu. And I would put it on Disney Plus, you know, just as a... a... Uh, yeah, something, because, like, the end of season two of Mandalorian, Luke takes Grogu. Going into season three, they're back together again, having wacky adventures, and you're going to be like, wait, what? Yeah, I'm not exactly clear on what... they're. they're... And, I mean, you would have to explain what happened to Grogu and the character development that happened there, because otherwise, none of this is going to make any sense. Right, like some shit happened. Like right? a lot of shit happened. Yeah, <laughs> like they, they had a, they had a ca they had an additional step to their entire character arc. Right, like, like and if you yeah. didn't watch that, you're going to be like, wait, why, why, how is he here? Where is like, where are they, what? Wait, what's going on here? Yeah, I mean, I, there someone needs to like do a fan edit of all of the Mando <laughs> stuff from uh, <laughs> uh, from uh, from Book of Boba Fett. Um, and I know I'm weird, but I just I didn't dislike Boba Fett as a show. But anyway, I just I, I it, never mind. We'll talk about it. But but so but here was here's one I want here was one I want to mention because Ma Mando is the least uh, offender of all of these things, but it, they all have a little bit of like jank. If you were a gamer, if we were talking about, a, if we were talking about a video game, I would describe it as jank. Some fight sequences that are almost cringy in how bad they are. Occasional, like the uh, things that look kind of low grade, <laughs> almost. Well, again, some of them are. Mando had some awesome action, but then it had occasional moments that were not great. Book of Boba Fett had a ton of like really cringy bad stuff. Um, and then it comes an Andor. The problem with Andor is it was a complete shocker. <laughs> it's a legitimate, it's not a grade on the curve. On some level, I love Mando on a curve, right? It's really great, but it's a pulp show. It's it's, it's Cowboys in Space with yes. Rogu, and which I, I love it for what it is. I mean, it leans into it. Like, there's no they're, – they're not lampshading it. Season like. two leaned a little too much into, like, Star Wars referency territory. A little. Not a – like, a more – some people were more bothered. I don't mind that they're using it to kind of slyly establish, like, Ahsoka, all kinds of other things. Yeah. Um, but it's a fun, pulpy show that you're not meant to like take too seriously or get too deep into. And Andor isn't like that. Andor is excellent. Like, just remove it from everything else. You don't need to know anything about Star Wars. It's a really good science fiction show about a evil empire in the future yeah and a guy that just gets caught up in the cogs of the empire and everything is like the dialogue is like spectacularly written it looks grand and really real and really high budget uh 
and so now is that gonna is that gonna make the the seams the jank of uh mando stand out more well see here's the thing now that we're going into season three of mando and it is like a bona fide hit for disney plus slash star wars like it is as far as the star wars shows for disney plus i mean that is the marquee show it is their th- it is the thing it is it, it's right? the show that's the thing people buy merch of i think right now mando and grogu and that's it right and so judging from like the extended trailers that we've gotten and we just got another one the other day that kind of goes into a little more of what the plot line of season three is going to be it seems like we are going in kind of a more serious direction i mean i'm sure there'll still be like adorable Grogu moments and madcap adventures. And there's also been foreshadowing that like Grogu will be using his little hand powers and all that good <laughs> stuff. But I mean, the, the gist of it seems to be and not to kind of do any spoilers for people who don't know whatever happened in like book of Boba Fett and with, with Mando and Din Djarin and where his status is as far as being a Mandalorian is concerned. Yeah. We're, we are going, we're going to Mandalore. Yeah. We're going to Mandalore. Yeah, and there's a lot of like if you wa- if you watch if you watch the animated series, I guess there's going to be a lot of like additional thing context for you to to enjoy. Um, but yeah, that's it. They're gonna they're gonna do. There's a lot of like Mandalorian centric, which I think is good because again, we want to want to keep it keep it in that keep it on that level. Show me like man, maybe Order sixty six flashback potentially. I mean, it would be nice. There's a lot of speculation that it was me- Quinlan Voss who rescued Grogu, which that is the thing you might be seeing. I don't know. Right. I mean, there's speculation about how that happened. I mean, we did get to see Grogu having his flashback of the whole Order 66 thing and that, you know, he was there in the temple. Like, we do have confirmation of that. How he got out, we still don't quite know yet, but he was there. Yeah. So, um, and uh, yeah, so that's, uh, like you said, uh, March march 1st um and uh i think uh, i don't remember when like ahsoka comes out and and uh oh and yeah oh uh, another thing like i I, we also get to see coruscant i guess we're gonna be on coruscant in this as well oh okay uh because of so there's a which again we saw in andor so that we're going back to the guy from season one who is the guy who wanted grogu's dna Mm-hmm. Uh, and he had a patch for Camino, which is the clone planet from the prequels. Mm-hmm. And so maybe we're going to get to see that planet. Um, it'll be, it'll be fun. It, it'll definitely be fun. Right. That's I'm, I'm sure. Oh yeah. And I, again, that's a show that I, I have like accepted, like leans into the nostalgia bait and stuff. And it's fine. It, it's fine to be like, Oh look, such and such showed up. That's fun. Like, I don't want that in Andor. I think Andor is, has done. It's like star Wars referencing, like incredibly uh, cleverly. It's not annoying. It's there's a lot of it, but it's so subtle. You wouldn't notice, which is exactly how you do that shit. And I don't find it annoying in Mandalorian. I mean, because it's, it's one of those things where like, okay, we're not, there's not a lot of canon to lean into because it is kind of its own standalone story. I mean, like Din Djarin doesn't exist in Star Wars. Grogu doesn't exist in Star Wars. We're not like continuing anything there, but I mean, yeah, there's going to be references to like 
other characters because they live in the same universe. It's a show that wants you to cheer. And so it, it, but it, it works, it works for its, you know, it works for its money. It works for its bread. So, which is fine. I don't mind being, you know, squealing gleefully when it, you know, does something that I kind of am shocked by. Oh, Babu Frick, right? Yes. They got, a, they got Babu Fricks in this. I Which, want, yeah. That's I'll, actually something else I really do appreciate about Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. The fact that they don't CGI, they actually use puppets. Yeah, there's lots of puppets in it. The, 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 uh, salacious crumb, the monkey lizard thing, whatever, that's also a puppet. They did a lot of Grogu puppet work because now you can do puppet stuff with a lot of like visible sticks and wires and then remove those instead of doing it CG, which mm-hmm. is like way better, I think. But I want to – where's JD? JD, could you find my tweet from years ago from when I saw Rise of Skywalker that said, all I want in life is Babu Frick in The Mandalorian Season 2. <laughs> I said Season 2. Just, you were ambitious. Yeah, yes. Am, amb- it, was, it, was, it was indeed an ambitious crossover <laughs> attempt between, <laughs> between Rise of Skywalker and The Mandalorian. But it was just – it was literally just motivated by me being like, this he was he was like my favorite thing in Rise of Skywalker, and I like the Mandalorian, so it would be cool if this thing that I like would be in this other thing that I like, and it it, it actually happened. It took an extra season, but it actually happened. When is this tweet from? December twenty first, twenty nineteen. Oh my god! Right, four like four you know, three <laughs> years ago. What a great year! Because you see, like I wrote the this was right at the day that I saw Rise of Skywalker, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I just wrote the real, the real star of Rise of Skywalker. It's a picture of Babu Frick. Uh, and um, yeah, he's going to be in this, which is just delightful. <laughs> yeah, we saw that in one of the previous trailers that was released for Mando season three. And you're like, Babu Frick, who is also a puppet, which is why I thought about that. Because I just, like I said, I respect the fact that they are staying more true to that sort of look and feel of the OG Star Wars back when, because obviously back then they didn't have CGI, so they used puppets. And now it's it's just, there is that appreciable difference when you know, and I, and we've discussed this before, but like, especially I think that's why Grogu hits as hard as he does. is because it's like, you can tell when you're looking at it that it's not a CGI character. Like it's an actual like physical being that Some, you're yeah. looking at something about the imperfections of the puppet there's actually a whole saga in the prequels where they made they initially yoda was a puppet then they cg'd him and then they made a second cg pass to make him look more like a puppet right and even <laughs> like especially in certain scenes in like season one you could kind of see like the imperfections in the movement of grogu but like kind of makes it obvious that like this is like not CGI. It's a puppet. It's actually like a like a physical being and that's ba- being controlled. And Babu Frick, something about both his like look and his uh, voice. There's something that screams so old school about it. Like something that would come out of like Henson's workshop, right. voiced by Henson himself, or maybe Frank Oz. There's in the movie Flight of the Navigator. I, this might be influenced by it. Uh, there's the little cute alien. In the movie Flight of the Navigator, here he's called. Oh, he's called the Puck Marin. He's definitely there's definitely an element of Babu Frick to him. I need to show you like a video of the Puck Marin. Mm-hmm. This is a, one of the movies that one of the two eighties movies that I am most con- uh, uh, curious why they didn't 
reboot. Oh, this is a garbage, uh, a garbage uh, clip. Never mind. Uh, one of those aliens from uh, from Flight of the Navigator. Also, uh, the Last Starfighter. Those two movies. I, I I'm shocked that they don't have like remakes. Because The Last Starfighter is about a kid who's very good at a video game, like an arcade video game. Mm-hmm. And then when he like beats it, he's like the first, the only person to ever beat it. He discovers that it was put there by aliens as a way to find like, like the best human. pilot. And no, like the best. No, they put it on many different planets to try to find like the best space pilot so that he could help them say rescue the guy. How is that not a like a concept that's like perfect for now, right? Some like game steam mysterious steam game that everybody thinks mm-hmm. is by Hideo Kojima <laughs> turns out to be a recruitment tool for like an alien space army. Come on, man. It's it's a it's a recruitment tool, but it's actually stray. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's a perfect anyway. Um yeah, Neil. It's a good um The Last Starfighter is actually a really good uh, a really good movie. Here, oh, Neil is actually in the call queue. Let's okay. take Neil's call cuz uh, we're we're heading towards the end of this uh, show. So, uh Neil, you're on the air. I wanted to make sure that we brought up Velma because how can we not talk about ah. Velma? <laughs> <laughs> Um the show oh, so I yeah. don't think you've not actually watched No, I have it, right? not. I have not. I watched the first episode last night and it's you know what? Here's my my opinion on it. The whole reason I think that they even tried to link this to Scooby-Doo was because this pitch would have gone nowhere otherwise. Because this has nothing to do with Scooby-Doo. Nothing to do with Scooby-Doo. Except for, like, names and vague character recognition. And it's just kind of ridiculous. And you got to appreciate, because uh, Mindy Kaling was like, oh, look, it's the most. Because HBO tried to, like, more. <laughs> that was amazing. HBO tried to Morbius it and be like, it's the most watched HBO original animated thing on a Tuesday in on a Tuesday in January when it's raining, (laughs) something like that. Um, But uh, um, it's you gotta you gotta respect a show that's so bad that it's being accused of being like an alt right false flag against wokeism. Like you really need to you really need to uh, cross some lines to get there. But you know what? It's, but it, like, it's like an actually popular theory. Like a lot of people were tweeting. That. Yes. And you know what? Like watching it, it's not even that. Like it's, it, it's like this show could have been made like twenty years ago, maybe fifteen years ago, and maybe these jokes would have landed. But now it's like, really, we're we're doing like the the girl that's just too cool for everything and everyone, and we've got the mean girl, and we've got the guy who just is like longing for the girl and she's just cruelly laughing him off. And we've got the vapid rich guy. It's like, like this, this show feels so old to me. Yeah. It's funny. It's actually kind of similar to your, to Jen's amazing point about how like uh, people in like QAnon circles will always say something like, man, somebody should go shoot up a government building. And then when somebody does it, they're all like, Oh, that's, that's a false flag. That's definitely not one of our guys. <laughs> yeah. Right. This is sort of the same thing. It's like somebody who's like, we need more shows about how white men are all pathetic and how, you know, women of color are the awesome and they get to curse and say bitch a lot. And then there's a show that does that. And they're like, Oh, that's fucking, that's a nerd rotic false flag. <laughs> it's fucking. It's just done in such a like 
like I said, it's just like, it just feels so old to me. Like the jokes feel like old and just like really like it's like, and I have a whole rant I can do on this whole like very hipster ironic i'm too cool for everything and everyone and this is like this show is a good example of what happens when like okay that's cute when you're in like your like late 20s when you're in your late 30s and you're still trying to pull this shit like okay now you just look sad i think that when someone who is already famous is the creative center behind something comedic you're already that's already a red flag because what's going to happen is all of the yes men they built up in their career right. are just going to laugh at every bullshit joke they write like none of these people have any friends who are going to be like that's terrible you know like comedians funny comedians any comedian who's like funny and on the road and has a big career you know that they have a whole bunch of comedian friends who tell them to their face when a joke of theirs sucks. Like, I'm not even joking. Like, a lot of them will mm. say this, too. We'll say, like, I, the reason I'm a good comedian is I grew up around other comedians who would trash me if I bombed. And so I learned to not do that. Right. <laughs> and this just feels like just Kaylig doing, like, the same thing she's done for the past 15 years. Like I said, it just feels, like, kind of old and sad at this point. It's like, really? Can, can you not? Like, can you, can you please grow up? Like, really? The one is thing I will say, though, is that every, everyone across, like, both sides of the political spectrum are hating on it, right? So, like, I, I'm a huge Scooby-Doo fan. So I, like, was really, they, like, ruined everyone's personalities. They race people. I just, like, really hated it. And then, like, everyone seems to agree that it sucks. So that's at least somewhat comforting. Yeah, yeah. I just wish, like, like I said, like that it it wouldn't turn into like, well, this was secretly made to trash my worldview. I think there's actually uh, Lindsay Ellis has a really, really good video called "Woke Disney," right? And it is actually a perfect, like, the type of critique uh, of wokeism from the perspective of like a like a bread tuber, like somebody on the progressive left, of the type that you don't see enough of. Where they're like, this is cr- this is like so cringe, and it's a corporate attempt to whatever. A lot of the same criticism that I have, because I'm saying like, forget for a second that I don't agree with that worldview. It's weird to me that like people who are already anti-capitalist aren't more cynical about you know like what are transparently like just PR efforts to seem like progressive. Because it's like. At the core, they're really not that cynical. Like they, like it's all a total posture. And like I said, I've got a whole rant about this. Like a whole rant that touches on many, many other topics of society. But yeah, it's just this whole like, oh, I'm so cool, and this is like, oh, I'm just I'm gonna make the same jokes about men and women that I've been making for the past twenty years. And it's like, did you I? Like I said, this this show, like, and, and I'm not even a Scooby Doo fan, but this show has nothing to do with Scooby Doo. Like, I, I just, I that's my main thing is like, what? No, this has like this show could be completely standalone. Yeah, just make it standalone and like re- just reference, just do a funny reference to Scooby Doo or whatever, or like call her Velma. How about that? How about make it a show that's not Scooby Doo, right? But her name is Velma and she looks a little like Velma from Scooby Doo, and make that a running joke. That she's not that Velma, right? Where people be like, like in the show, could be like Velma, like in Scooby Doo or something like that, and that's like her, her like uh, her like personal hell is that everybody thinks she's Velma from Scooby Doo. I don't know, something like that. Effort. 
but literally uh, like nobody would have bought the pitch for this show. Yeah. If it Lindsay Ellis, uh, by the way, because people are like, is Lindsay Ellis back? She is, uh, she's, uh, I heard that she has a, a big video on Nebula on the Hobbit trilogy. Cause she did a really good three part video on Lord of the Rings. She went to New Zealand, uh, <gasps> but here's the annoying part of it. The first two parts of it are great. And then the third part is all about how the Lord of the Rings trilogy fucked up labor laws in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I don't care. Like, really? I don't I, care. Yeah. I'm sorry, Lindsay. And uh, so she did, I think, an equivalent one on The Hobbit, but it's on it's on Nebula, which is uh, yeah. actually a really good. Bread tuber's kind of bread tube. Yeah, I don't have it uh, yet, uh, just because I like I just need to do it. But it's a it's a it's a paid streaming service that uh, essentially every YouTuber that I like puts content on there that doesn't exist on their YouTube channel. Additional paid content. It's pretty cheap. Um, it's, uh, and you get curiosity stream together with it. They bundle it and it's mm -hmm. not, it's not expensive. And yeah, like almost every YouTuber that I like will be like, oh, I also have this week an additional video on Nebula about X, uh, cinema wins, legal Eagle, Nando V movies, uh, fucking again, Lindsay Ellis, which has terrible politics and is kind of a garbage person sometimes, <laughs> but is a tremendously a talented content creator in my humble opinion, even if she says things I don't agree with a lot. Uh, but, and she, I think she's funny again. She comes from edge. She's She's one of those channel. Awesome people who used to make jokes about rape and stuff and like ref, is now ref, uh, reformed quote mm. unquote. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, like a certain tweeter that we know. <laughs> uh, I don't know who you mean. Uh, this, Mueller she wears? Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. We're not even going to get into right. Allison. <laughs> Allison's past. Feline she murdered. Oh. Fuck it. I'm not apologizing. Fuck her. <laughs> Fuck you, Allison. You, <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. I mean, I love I, – I, I'm, I'm very sympathetic towards your cat. Mm. I really am. Not Just not you. I hope the cat's okay. Yeah, exactly. I don't really care about her. No, and I hope it. I hope it. Uh, I hope it found a good home. It's no, living a happy, good yeah, life right I, now. Like, I hope it found the freedom it so desperately sought. Right. I, I mean, I hope. I hope the cat is alive and well and living in a nice house full yeah. of not crazy people. Yes. Uh, last comment. Lack of taste. Loads of video essayists have bad politics, but have a lot of editing talents that you can see in their work. Yes, a couple of. Uh, uh, video creators that I will watch religiously, even though I like really hate them, except if they make a video on a topic that I hate. Uh, Folding Ideas, aka Dan Olson, Jenny Nicholson, uh, occasionally H Bomber Guy, depends on what the video is about. If it's about like a movie that he liked that I like, I'll watch it certainly. Um, those kind of people, but they usually like a lot of uh, the time, they don't bring their bullshit into their videos. Mikey, Mikey does movies. Is that his name? Uh, also pretty good. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, it's uh, it's already late. And uh, it's time for us to go. Noam's old. He has to go to bed now. Yeah, I know. I, I, I'm, uh, I'm all I'm all trainy training and doing things. <laughs> I actually you know, I didn't talk about this uh, on Twitter. I guess I can just mention this briefly. Uh, I hate Jen knows weighing myself is one of the things that I hate the most in the entire world, right? Because body issues Reason. and yeah. decade, you know, a couple of decades of like issues. That I'm talking about on Twitter a lot. I just not this story. I gotta weigh myself every day now. 
because of the program that I'm on. And the, like the first time that I had to do it, I literally like my heart was like, and I was like, what the chill the fuck out, idiot. Right. And uh, when I stepped on the scale and I saw how much I weighed, I got, I was so relieved because I haven't weighed myself in like almost two years. And I was essentially the exact same weight. And, you know, like I, it's really easy for me to slip and whatever. Anyway, that was just a, 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 a quick diversion. Cause you, you know, tired. It's part of the reason I'm tired is like, I'm training hard now and eating good and trying to get a lot of sleep and such. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on that note, on that weird note that came out of nowhere, uh, we're going to end the, uh, the episode. Uh, thank you very much for, uh, for listening. And, uh, I think we're just as normal. I don't think there's anything, uh, on the horizon. Not that I'm aware of. Interfere with our schedule. Not that I'm aware of. So at any rate, um, you found us here Wednesday nights, 830 Eastern on call in. Um, of course, always feel free to join us. Either call in, you can join the chat. You can listen to it after the fact on your podcast catchers. Our main podcast, Ambitious Crossover Attempts, that drops on Mondays. And you can find it on all your podcast catchers. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at AMBXOver. You can find me on Twitter at ThatGenMonroe and on Substack at GenMonroe.Substack.com. I am Neon Taster on Twitter and also YouTube.com slash Neon Taster and Twitch.tv slash Neon Taster. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that's about it. Thank you very much. We will see you next week. Good night. Good night, Joey. Good night. Good night, everybody.